The Soil Factory is not only dirt talk, it's a discussion about all things soil, business, marketing, and cool people. And now your host, straight out of compost, the one, the only, Luis Chamorro. Okay, hello, hello, hello. This is Luis with the Ground Up and the Soil Factory podcast. Today is episode five. Currently November 15th, and my guest today is somebody I've known for, I would say a while right now, yeah. Probably about six years. Six years. Corey McMullen, world world famous, what is it? Corey McMullen. McMullen, sorry, uh, the Spanish speaking in me gets in the way. Corey McMullen, Urban Organics from Houston, Texas. Corey has been a guest on uh, TV, uh, Houston Life on Channel 2. He is the resident organic farm to garden specialist. I don't know. He's going to fill that in here in a second. But uh, Corey's a contractor. He does phenomenal work. And Corey, welcome to the Soul Factory podcast. Uh, Luis, thanks for having me. Thank you. So, uh, first of all, I just real quick, I... I been following you guys for a while and obviously we've, we've known each other for a while but uh, congratulations on all of the big things that you guys have going on in the last year uh, your your um, your new blending label with uh, roof light and everything else that you've done in between congratulations thank you thank you so much Corey is a um, a witness of all the new things we're doing uh, and the reason why is because he has an in into what we do here at the ground up uh, just a little bit about Corey and the ground up. Uh, I hired, or we hired Corey as a soil consultant. Um, and he's developed a soil line for us and helped us develop a recipe for our new brand, which will come out in the very early spring called My Veggie and Herb Soil. Um, beautiful design, beautiful bag. If you've seen the My Organic Compost DS bag, you're going to get a different feel, different personality, but Corey is one of the masterminds behind that bag and that product. So uh, great to have you here, Corey. Uh, tell us a little bit about Urban Organics. What exactly do you do? Uh, well, we are an edible landscaping and urban farming company. Uh, we are full service from design, installation, and maintenance. Um, we bring food closer to where people are, whether it's their home, their restaurant, schools, uh, what have you we make uh, gardening look really good and blend in with your your natural landscape and your natural habitat around your house or wherever you are is all you do is edibles or do you guys do general landscaping as well uh, not so much on the general landscaping we, we kind of focus just on edibles uh, of course when you're doing edibles you're also planting companion plants and and beneficial plants and pollinators nearby so you are getting into the to the uh, ornamental side of things here and there, but mostly we focus on, on growing food. That's phenomenal. Um, when we did the uh, soil testing for the new My Organic, uh, well, My Organic um, Compost DS, and then the soil trials for My Veggie and Herb Soil. Which contains Contains My Organic, my organic DS. Compost DS, yeah. <laughs> uh, we built, we had this really, like, kind of flumsy beds built at, at Winfern, and they're still there, but you planted a bunch of veggies, and the trials actually did pretty well. Uh, 
Tell me a little bit about that that root you planted that you brought to my office. Okay, oh, Karabi. Uh, what yeah, is it? Karabi. So what we did on that te- on on the test plot over there, um, we took what was already there and and made it work uh, just so we could start running our soil tests uh, right when we got into the warmer weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the stuff that we put out there, we put a sorry. We put we did a half dozen different test plots and we put the same plants in in each test plot and I think the best results. Uh, we're with the kohlrabi uh, and for those of y'all don't know uh, kohlrabi is a vegetable that's closely related to it's in the broccoli family it's a cousin of broccoli but instead mm-hmm. of uh, a big florette at the top of the plant that you eat uh, the edible part actually bulbs out and sits atop the soil like a the, you, you harvest them about the size of a baseball uh, up to a softball uh, but the phenomenal growth, the phenomenal mix that we came up with for the my veggie and herb soil, um, the kohlrabi that I brought into your office that day was about the size of a, a watermelon. Small, yeah, a small watermelon <laughs> or a souvenir ba- basketball. Um, and the best part about it is it didn't it didn't change the the texture, the flavor of the of the actual flesh itself. It was it was still just like you'd harvested a very small one. It was great. I, I kept it in my fridge here in the office for a few days. And one, one afternoon I was hungry and I just decided to eat away. It was phenomenal. Yeah, they're good. Loved it. Cooked and and uh, you can cook them all kinds of different ways. Uh, my favorite way to cook them is actually to, to, to coat them with a little bit of olive oil and put them on the grill for a few minutes like a steak. Nice. Um, the type of work you do... It's pretty interesting because there's there's a lot of companies that do landscaping, obviously, but there's not that many companies that do what you do that specialize in edibles. How do you get started with the edible gardening? Uh, well, I've kind of always been interested in landscaping and, and how we exist around nature. Um, but the focus on gardening started, food gardening started about... 2008, 2009, and and, and uh, just started as a hobby because I hated, I, I love cooking, and I hated paying for fresh veg, uh, herbs at the at the grocery store because you only need a few tablespoons for a recipe, uh, and then you end up throwing away a bunch. Uh, so I just hated wasting the money, and I knew that uh, from classes that I had taken in college and stuff like that, uh, that centered around horticulture and, and a little bit of landscaping, um, I knew that herbs were super simple to grow so I started with that and I kind of taught myself along the way and took more courses and and it started as a hobby and and now it's a, a business you and I met and I think when we met I was pretty overweight and then you mentioned that you were somewhat overweight right oh yeah and did this help you lose weight um, no I actually took an interest in eating healthy and 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 stuff like that, and cooking healthy um, years before. And okay. So I had already had an interest in, in you know eating properly and, and exercising probably since uh, I guess 2000, 2000 2001. But nice. yeah, when I graduated high school, I was I was a bit on the portly side. If you don't know Corey, you've never seen him in person. He looks like a WWE star without <laughs> the mask and the tights. Pretty built guy. Pretty uh, pretty. A solid. I'm kind of scared of him actually because 
I think if we got in the fight, he would totally beat me up. I think you and I actually met when you were pretty brand new here at the ground up. That was 2010. That was a long time ago, and we didn't meet in 2010. I, we, I think we, we first met over email, and then we, we met in person probably around 2013. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, one of the main components of what you guys do and how you get successful at growing a vegetable garden is the soil component, right? Correct. And Corey doesn't, uh, Corey has a special blend that we make through the soil factory, which obviously we're not going to give out the, the secrets, but how important is soil to your, the, the success of the outcome of what you do? Um, soils, everything, <laughs> everything, everything. Um, you are not going to, uh, organically, you're not going to be able to produce you know, quality vegetables on a consistent basis without paying attention to the soil. Um, so what we did with, you know, through trial and error and, and figuring stuff out over time and, and to be honest with you, killing a lot of plants uh, without, with, you know, buying different components of, of the soil and trying to, to make it ourselves. Uh, and then as I'm, you know, progressing through the business, it's just not economical. So that's when I finally reached out to you and said, Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing to make my soil. Uh, what can we do to, you know, so I can utilize all the resources from, from one supplier and, yep. and, and do something that I know what I'm going to get on a consistent basis. And that was prior to the soil factory. That was. That was prior to, yeah. So now the soil factory is like, if you're listening to this and you've gone to Salada to buy a salad for lunch or dinner or, you know, snack... And you go through that line and you ask, you know, the, the, the person serving on the behind the, the counter, put 10 different ingredients on that salad. It's the same concept. We can put 10 different ingredients on that salad. I was talking to a landscape architect a couple of weeks ago and I said, if you want to put sprinkles on that soil and make it look colorful, we'll put sprinkles in that soil. <laughs> so um, pretty interesting. Um, on a more personal level, Corey, uh, you guys are expecting, right? Correct. Nice. Um, my wife, Serena, and I are uh, expecting a daughter at the end of February. And uh, I know you just had your uh, baby shower, and I'm very sad that I missed it. I had three kids by myself. My wife was out of town. And I also missed the reveal, the gender reveal, but there is a pretty funny story. I was, <laughs> I was watching on Facebook Live, and something yeah. happened. What happened? Uh, well, um, I've got uh, neighbors that are, are kind of uh, incapable of, of always staying to themselves. So um, we had a sign outside that uh, apparently they thought was offensive. And it had pink and, and blue balloons on it. And it said uh, sex party. And it had two little baby feet below it. But apparently they couldn't see that, and uh, the Bel Air police uh, knocked on the door and, and kind of crashed our party and said, hey, uh, we, we have to be here because we got a call. Um, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, so so they, they couldn't do anything but laugh. We laughed with them and told them that if, uh, if there were any more complaints that we have cake around 4.35 o'clock. Awesome. Stop by again. 
I didn't know about that story, actually. I was talking about your mother. Oh, one month, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's actually a funnier story. Yeah, than just in month. the essence of time, let's go ahead and just stick with that one. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, we, we posted on Facebook uh, maybe a few hours ago, and we asked those that follow us, if you have questions about this, about the Korean, what he does, feel free to ask questions. So, um, let's go ahead and pull up a question. This question comes from Kelly Carlson. Kelly is a veteran. Happy belated Veterans Day, Kelly. We know Kelly from, uh, she, she works for a phenomenal contractor in Houston. And... I just got locked out of my my computer. Do you have that question in front of you, Corey? I'm pulling it up. Okay, here it goes. Kelly's asking, do you have any tips for harsh winter freezes? How can folks protect their landscaping in the winter with the least amount of damage? Um, prior to any freezes, uh, I would definitely recommend uh, a good healthy layer of active mulch. Um, it's gonna, do a whole lot throughout the winter. It's going to provide um, soil re or uh, moisture retention. It's going to provide warmth and it'll retain heat from the sun. Um, so that's your first step in, in protecting the plants. Uh, when we know we're about to have a hard freeze, um, another layer of mulch isn't a bad idea. Uh, it's really plant specific. Uh, I can't give like a, a blanket answer like you know blanket everything with it with a frost blanket and and then wrap it with plastic um, because a lot of the plants that we deal with are are you know seasonal specific so uh, outside of a hard freeze most of the stuff that we plant in December January you know kohlrabi and, and a lot of that stuff they can handle a light freeze or a frost and they'll still be you know they'll still be okay so what would those uh, mulch the vegetables and cover if we're gonna have a freeze um, so I, I'm not sure exactly how to answer that question without taking a whole lot of time and going to... But mulch is a perfect it. answer, though. Yeah. And, start and, with mulch yeah. for your low-lying low stuff and then um, wrap with sheets and plastic yeah. on, on your, your taller stuff. Um, on episode one, we discussed mulch. And as a rule of thumb, you're going to mulch two to three inches twice a year. Inactive mulch which is going to have uh, a lot of compost-like qualities, like the ground-up uh, premium native hardwood mulch, or also packaged in the seasons hardwood mulch. Um, there is also a question from Lee West. He, this question is, uh, we, we still haven't had a response from Lee, but if you're listening, uh, we're trying to look for that answer, Lee, uh, although we do know part of the answer. The, the question is, where can folks find local organisms to use for compost and such in an urban environment, such as the bioregions of Houston, that are not harmful to use in the garden? Uh, I mean, I would say there's organisms in the soil already, unless it's completely depleted. And it's, you know, inorganic and inert, but I would feed it, you know, maybe uh, some organic fertilizer, maybe some trace mineral pack like azomite. Am I in the right path? Uh, yeah, I would definitely, without knowing exactly what he means, there's there's two different answers to that. Um, I'm kind of 
thinking that he might be asking, you know, where can somebody go and, and find something to start their compost pile with to, to populate their stack of, of grass clippings and leaves and carbon and, and other nitrogen stuff um, so they can populate that with cultures. Um, you can, you know, compost is, is all around the woods. That's, that's how the forest is built. It's built on compost. Uh, um, I would say if you're, if you're adventurous, go out in the woods and, and grab a few five gallon buckets of, of anything from the first six inches of soil. Yeah. Scrape uh, it. That's going to be pretty active. Um, I'd stay away from anything that looks moldy, funky, and wet. Uh, but to be honest with you, rather than doing that and getting yourself in trouble on, you know, trespassing or anything like that, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, inoculant packs or uh, trace minerals. Trace yeah. minerals would definitely kick off whatever is, is going on in the soil and compost is your thing there. Cool. Uh, let's talk about a couple of other things, Corey. What's in the future for urban organics? Where do you see yourself in five years from now? What do you think is going to happen if you had a crystal ball? Uh, if I had a crystal ball, I would say that. Um, we will have well i'm sorry for the very long pause i don't i uh i've got a we've got a lot of projects on uh on the on the in the works that uh could definitely change the way that uh houston is looking at, at where their food comes from and and how close it is uh and kind of change the skyline of what Houston looks like for food uh, without giving away too much. And it's a really, really cool project. Yeah. I know some of it, so <laughs> I feel special. Um, it would definitely change a lot of things about Houston. It would make this place a destination. It's already a destination, but we'll find out if, if the crystal ball says it's true. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I checked the Magic 8 Ball as well, and uh, it says things look good. Good, good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, here's a good question that we talked about. We I just said I'm going to ask you this, Corey, so he has not given me an answer, but I jotted down. How do you think soil can make a difference in communities? Uh, okay, so... I think um, composting is a, is a big deal right now. You see compost bins all over the place. There's uh, a lot of the local nurseries from time to time um, do composting uh, how-tos there at the, at the nursery. Uh, there's all, I really think that with the amount of, of green waste, uh, whether it's yard waste, food waste, uh, residential and light commercial, I think that there's, uh, there's a really huge potential uh, for compost to actually build communities uh, around composting and, and recycling uh, our, our green waste all around us. Uh, I mean, most of Houston now is, has got, well, at least inside the loop and, and uh, thereabout, has got a mature canopy. And uh, you probably have a tighter number on, on what type of waste a mature canopy turns out every year just naturally much less uh, when it's manicured and, and, and taken care of by all of the, the contractors around town yeah 
But on the on the soil scale for communities, you're talking about community composting, right? Correct. Uh, and this is something we see on a large scale in, in metropolitan uh, communities and cities, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Ohio, New York City, Washington, D.C. Those cities have people that actually have companies and they bike from block to block and pick up compost bins from restaurants and homeowners. And we see something on a smaller scale here in Houston, but Houston is so spread out and you need a vehicle to get around Houston. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard to get around in a bike. Which is kind of why I see it um, as, you know, hubs in, in and around communities, you know, mm -hmm. different areas of town. You know, you've got satellite locations for, you know, residential and, and light commercial, meaning, yeah. you know, restaurants and, and you know, schools for, for green food waste and things like that. That's one of the ideas we have with the soil factory is to, to provide the support to local composters, not only in Houston, but in you know, throughout the U.S., where we can support them with marketing and a production facility that can fit a very small footprint. Right. So that's part of the whole concept of the, the soil factory. Um, that's really, really cool information. So uh, on a more personal level, again, do you have a favorite restaurant in Houston? There's too many. Too many? Yeah. I mean, you'd have to... You'd Top have three. It's not. It's not a top three. It depends on, on because Houston is such a melting pot. You have so many different varieties of, of you know cultures and, and different types of food available. You'd have to say. Do you eat steak? Uh, I do, but I. Again, there's a lot of stuff that I cook. I think I cook better than better? restaurants okay. sometimes. So uh, I'm gonna cook my own steak. Okay. Um, as far as. I, I'm a fan of a good taco truck or, or a good uh, food truck, but. Ah, you know what? But uh, barbecue, they he's got a, a, a killer concept going in the food and he's 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 got some really good barbecue. Who's that? Uh, Garrett Blinn uh, runs a place called Butts Barbecue. It's a it's a food truck. Oh, I thought you said okay, butts. B U T T Z. It's got a pig's rear end as the logo. Nice. Yeah. Might have to That's hire that stuff. food truck for the Christmas party here. There you go. Okay, yeah. good. There you go. Uh, music. Favorite artist right now? Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Now and always? Pretty much. Yeah. Good. Right behind him is Willie. Okay. Uh, I, uh, you can usually find me on, uh, if I'm on Pandora, I've got my Outlaw Country on there. Um, but actually, kind of lately, because things are picking up with business and things, I've actually added... Um, a channel called from a group called Black Violin and they do a lot of um, newer covers but it's all with cellos and violins and it kind of keeps my brain from going every di every different direction while I've got so much going on. So last night I was flipping through channels I just got Xfinity so I don't know any of the channels on Xfinity and I was flipping through channels and I ran into MTV Live I didn't know MTV still had a channel that actually played music. <laughs> and uh, Sean Smith, is that his name? No, Sam Smith. Thanks. See, I, I don't even know his name. But he was walking into a concert and he started singing. And I, I know his music, but I never really like paid attention to his music. My wife's a big fan. It's unbelievable. He's, unbelievable. He's got a crazy voice. Speaking of uh, kind of Willie and Johnny Cash, maybe some blues, jazz. Johnny Lang. Have you heard of him? I have. 
I went to a concert in Atlanta, Georgia in January. Amazing. One of the best concerts I've been to. In incredible. Incredible um, atmosphere and just energy. The guy is crazy. Crazy. Um, online profiles. So you're very active on, on social media. Does social media give you enough exposure in Houston and surrounding areas to what you do? Because you do something that's very unique, that it's, I would say, hard to find somebody that does it as well as you do. Well, thank you. And it's not only about growing the veggies, but building everything around the beds that grow the veggies. You kind of... Well, it's not just that. It's, it's the landscape in general. Yeah. Um, I think you get into your customer's head... You extract their vision, and then you make it happen. You have some beautiful stuff online, so... Wait till you see what we post next week. The okay. The we're working on. All the stuff that you've been shipping to us for the past three days, the 25 yards of mulch, yeah. 22 yards of this, and everything else. So, uh, it's coming together. And Is it's it? It's going to look awesome. So, um, what are your online profiles? And what, what, what platforms are you on? Uh, mostly Instagram and uh, obviously we have our website which is uh, urbanorganicsonline.com um, our Instagram is urban underscore or at urban underscore organics and you can find Facebook. Urban Organics on Facebook if you have to type it into the URL it's, it's uh, forward slash original urban organics nice and when you visited uh, Channel 2 and you were part of uh, Houston Life, you've been there twice now, I yeah. think? Twice. 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 So Houston famous, world famous, <laughs> Corey McMullen. What was the, the, the you get any, uh, any feedback? You get any, like a wave of customers calling in, um, requesting stuff? Uh, we did get uh, a good rush of calls the day of the show and, and both times, the day of the show and the day after the show. Um, some of them, it really, be, because there were two different shows, one of them was about vegetables and the, or, you know, put growing, how quickly and easily you could actually start your own vegetable garden. Uh, and then the other one was about, you know, just fall, fall garden tips. Um, so I got a different look on, on either side of that. So after the fall gardening tips, we got more general landscaping requests and questions that um, I think turned into business for a couple of other contractors here in town. Okay. Looking at your Facebook right now, uh, Heights Beer Garden. Is that a, is that a brewery? Uh, no. It's what is it? It's a restaurant and beer garden. Beer garden, okay. Yeah, got a, it's, it's a cool little spot over off of uh, Shepherd and 14th. Uh -huh. Short Shepherd and 15th. Um, and they also own a piece of property right behind the restaurant that they hired us last year to put in uh, about a thousand square feet of planting space. So if you're if you're listening to this and you want to see exactly what kohlrabi is that is that the right word kohlrabi? Yeah. You got to check this out. the The post from November second, two thousand seventeen, eighteen, eighteen this year. You got to check this out. You have an Im incredible amount of. Uh, veggies grown with beautiful beds and there it is kohlrabi all filled with uh the ground up 
special blend. The special blend, yeah, yeah. The, the the special blend, the Urban Organics special blend. Um, what else do you want to talk about, Corey? What else is going on? Other than it's been raining, you're packed up on time, and everybody's been like freaking out because you can't, we can't work as as well as we should be working in November. Yeah, when you work when you work with nature, you got to deal with nature. Yeah. Well, good. Um, I, I think uh, there's there's so many different things we could talk about, or or. Oh, you know what? I was gonna ask you. What is your your top three nurseries in Houston? Because you're buying products from different places you're fulfilling the orders and the edible yep. plantings so you have to rely on places that can supply these things right right um what are your top three um even though most of our work is is you know centrally located in houston uh i don't mind the drive out to um plants for all seasons um they've been at it since the late 70s and um It's, it's definitely a family-run operation, mm -hmm. literally, um, from top to bottom. Uh, and I've known them for years and years and years. And they run a, a really good operation over there. And, and um, I can count on good quality products on, on, our, on the vegetables that, the, that we get. And um, second would be further northwest would be the Arbor Gate and the last they, they're super knowledgeable anytime i go in there with a question that's off the wall that i'm trying to figure out uh beverly and, and them uh if they if somebody's not there to answer the question right then and there they'll call me back you know whenever whenever they can get the answer they'll call me back and and explain it all to me so, and we make the product for the Evergate, by the way I yeah know that. yeah and then the third one uh the tried and true buchanan's over in the heights Woo! Uh, confetti is Exploded here in this office. You named three big ones. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Uh, those are just because we're so we're we're all over the place, and that seems to be kind of in our our uh, triangle of operation. Um, but we're uh, we're working out some deals with a, a local farm to produce our starts uh, in advance. So we're kind of customizing it even further, uh, and and maintaining uh, 100 you know organic control from start to finish. Is that local, as in like perimeter of Houston? Perimeter or? of Houston. Nice. Um, uh, Glenn and Chandler over at Laughing Frog Farms in Hempstead. Oh, cool. Uh, so we'll work our deliveries around uh, market days and things like that. Nice. Have you had a customer yield so much, you know, like veggies and produce and so forth that they actually went to a farmer's market and sold? No, no. Um, we customize what we grow uh, or what we build for for our clients um, around what they're going to consume, what they can handle with their time. If they don't hire us to do the maintenance and take care of it after we grow it, um, then we we really want to make sure that they're not wasting uh, their their time and money. First of all, with with us building it, and then they've just got too much garden to take care of. Um, we want to develop a We'd rather work with a client over this over the course of a few years, easing them into a new hobby of producing their own food, rather than just pushing right into you know 15 beds and here you go. Yeah. Uh, but if, if that's what the client wants and they've got the, the time and, and everything to work with it, um, I would really like to begin farming yards, uh, and that's kind of the the concept behind our our business is um, we want 
communities to center around food. Oh, you just reminded me of something. We flooded uh, in the memorial area, and I called Corey and I said, hey, man, what if we built a farm in my front yard while we do renovations? And you went out and took measurements and gave me a price, and we almost did it. And I was like, ah, it looks like we're going to move faster than we thought we were going to move in. Yeah, you got a hold of, or, uh, your yeah. street got a hold of a good, a good contractor and yeah. started working pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's the idea. There's, you know, front yard or backyard, HOAs are such a hassle sometimes. Uh, we just kind of ease things, ease into things, you know, start putting in edibles around the front. Here's a good question. If, if I'm a restaurant owner and I have a concept that's unique enough and boutique enough to grow my own herbs to use in my own food for my menu, what is the approximate square footage I need as a restaurant owner to maybe commit to growing some of the herbs that I'm providing for my menu? It depends. I know it's going to depend on the size of the restaurant, and there's many different variables. But a good, yeah, it, it you can start with you can start with a small feeding trough from from a, a, a feed store. You know the yeah. animal troughs, yeah, yeah, a couple feet around or three feet around. You can start small and and kind of test things out. Find a, find the best spot on your on your location. Um, don't think that you have to sit it on the ground either. You can actually think think vertically and, and grow on the wall. There's all kinds of different different ways. Um, even if you're just doing a couple couple plants of basil here, um, the oregano plant will will produce pretty much for for several years if you protect it through any freezes. Mm-hmm. So you can get pounds and pounds and pounds of oregano, and it's just growing outside, looking nice. There is a there is a restaurant on the street on Kirkwood corner of Kirkwood and Memorial called the Divine Affair and uh, Grant Williamson the GM at the ground up was there for um, his anniversary and I, I called in the only restaurant that has done this in Houston so Divine Affair thank you so much for uh, for doing this every time they've celebrated a special occasion especially like something special anniversary birthday he goes on a date with his wife I'll I'll find out where they're gonna go on a date I called the restaurant and I say, hey, my friend is going to be there and I want to buy a bottle of wine for him and have it ready for for when they arrive. Everybody tells me, no, you can't do that. You have to be here to pay for it. So I called the Divine Affair. Find, I found out they were going to go there and uh, they said, yeah, we'll do it for you. So I bought him a bottle of champagne and when they got there, they had a bottle of champagne in, on the table. I told him to print up uh, a picture of my face. So my face was on the bottle of champagne, which was pretty funny and and uh um you couldn't just leave it as that yet no no no. i had to put my face on it yeah i had to crash the party (laughs) but then i'm talking to the uh i think it's either the owner of the general manager and uh i get my haircut just a couple of those down at uh, sports clips and i always notice that on their uh patio they have these planters hanging planters and they look like garbage. So I said, hey, why don't you use those planters to grow some food? And the you know the smells of all these herbs is gonna be fantastic while people sit outside and enjoy their whatever, their champagne and, and their rosé. He said, no, we're gonna look into it. Plug in, <laughs> plug in Divine Affair. Corey McMullen is gonna stop in and uh, 
give you a solution for this. And if you're a restaurant owner, you can always count on Corey. Let me ask you this. If somebody's listening to this in Columbus, Ohio, and they wanted to do this, could you work with them through a consulting fee to walk them through how to do it? Of course. Uh, we can We can definitely do a, consult, a consultation over the phone, uh, get a lot of images. Uh, anything we, we can do, we can probably work through the whole project. Could people fly you out to Columbus? Columbus, Ohio is just an example. Can they fly you out and say, come and consult with us and show us how everything's done and... We will definitely talk about it. First class, business class, <laughs> well, private jet, no we don't charter. It depends on what the what, what we're talking about for uh, growing. Yeah, and you have to be picked up on a MyPack or a Tesla. No, actually, it doesn't matter. I'll go in a Tercel. Geometro. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that's it for today. Anything else you'd like to add? This was really fun, Corey. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always a good time hanging out with you. Well, um, that's it for episode five. Next week is Thanksgiving week, and I'm going to visit my uncle Hector Buitrago in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll be visiting with him tomorrow, which is November 16th. He's a blueberry farmer, and he has a farm called Hemi Blueberry Farm. He started this farm after he retired from uh, working uh, with the CDC for many, many years. And now he spends most of his time out in the farm growing blueberries. Did not know that. So I'm going to try to get him on the podcast for episode six. But until then, I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful thankful because you have a computer and a phone where you can listen to this podcast. Because if you are listening to this, you have something. That's it for today. Corey, thanks again. Thank you, sir. And we are out. Oh, <laughs>